You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. I was just happy to score. Uh, that was a big goal for us. And who was your favorite player growing up? Oh, it's got to be Sidney Crosby. I don't know Carter from a hole in the wall. So, and I'm not too interested in talking about him. So long, Stinktown! The Wolverines have won a national championship! Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. We're going to try this again for a second consecutive day. Intern Sonia, good morning. Good morning. Oh, well done, everybody. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Much like the Vancouver Canucks, everything on this show just clicking right now. Don't listen to the rest of the show, Canucks, because I guarantee it'll go badly. Uh, hour one of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Kintech. If you're watching the live stream, I'm actually putting emphasis on that with a good old-fashioned fist pump. You can check us out online, Sportsnet Plus. We stream every morning. You're wearing your uh, throwback Canucks hat Mm -hmm. this morning. That's That's his win hat. Yeah, that's a win hat. It's a symbol of of pride. Yeah. What's your Canucks loss hat? It helps my (laughs) self-esteem. It's the hat hat. I usually wear. (laughs) (laughs) It's very worn. (laughs) Uh, We have a big show ahead. On a Tuesday, and we have a lot to get into. Guest list begins at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join the program. We will talk about the Red Hot Vancouver Canucks and their assault on the New York, New Jersey area. But we will also talk about this Cutter Goche situation, this trade from Philadelphia to Anaheim, and the aftermath. What a wild story. What a wild night it was on Twitter last night as that story broke. Right in the middle of the Flyers playing their rivalry game against the Penguins. Yeah, right in the middle of it, this I, huge story breaks. And I guess we still don't know the entire story. We still don't know exactly what happened between Gauthier and the Flyers. He just ghosted them. He did, which yeah. is impressive. That's hard to do. Yeah, he wouldn't return their texts or anything. Yeah. I was like, I thought we had a fun. Yeah, I'll show you who's in charge. <laughs> 7.30, Arthur Staple from The Athletic is going to join the program. Perfect time to get Arthur on the show because he writes about both the Rangers and the Islanders. For the Athletic. And, of course, the Canucks took care of the Rangers last night. And tonight they will take on the Islanders 4.30 from UBS Arena. You can hear it all right here. Pre-game, post-game, the actual game. All right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, 8 o'clock, the guy that will be on the call for that game, Brendan Batchelor, is going to join the program. The Canucks radio voice for Sportsnet 650. We will look back on what it's like to call that many highlight real goals in a single game. Specifically, 
back to back with the Pedersen and Hoaglander goals. Mm-hmm. That must be a lot of fun as a play by play guy to call. You know what was an underrated goal that no one's talking about? The empty netter. The Besser goal. Oh, yeah. Because that was such a nice play by Pedersen at the blue line. It was a pass up, a stretch pass from Hughes to Pedersen. Yep. Good communication out there. You got to talk out there. You Good know, chatter. The, the guys were a bit of a quiet team before talk got there. So it's talking out there. Uh, and then Pedersen makes that delay move at the blue line. Besser goes hard to the net, gets a beautiful pass and makes a nice move. Like that was a beautiful goal. And it was like, it was like thrown on the trash heap of yeah, goals last night. The post game show with Bick and Sat, they did a poll question about what was the, what was the prettier goal. And I noticed that in some of the replies, people were like, you can't just narrow it down to those two. Yeah. I remember about four or five last night. Mm-hmm. Really impressive performance from the Canucks. Hopefully they can do it again tonight when they take on the Islanders. So if you watch on the live stream right now and you watch, my chair is broken and it's not because of my girth. The chair is just broken, but I just, I slowly sink throughout the show about a millimeter every five or 10 minutes. The chair is like, I can't, I can't keep doing this, but it keeps fighting, right? Right. It doesn't just collapse entirely Mm -hmm. like the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just slowly sinks and I feel smaller and smaller. Anyway, we're also giving away tickets. To the 32 thoughts. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm noticing it now. <laughs> Can you see it? He's like right. reaching up with his mouth to get to the it's microphone. Very no. <laughs> Dad! And now, and now it's time for... Now it's time for... It's time for... I just keep sinking. I don't know what... Like, look at the live stream right now. I just keep sinking. You're finally... Your voice re- just gets further and further away. Hello! And our next guest. You're finally realizing your quicksand nightmare. This is it. And this is so... Hence the name... Quicksand, but this is taking forever to sink further and further into it's the It's like earth. the waiting room in Hell Effect. You know, every single chair. I can just tilt slowly, my microphone down, I suppose. Goes. Okay, uh, we are giving away tickets to the 32 Thoughts live show. Wicket Hall in Victoria. Wicket, W-I-C-K-E-T-T. Like the Ewok. Right. January 18th, that's a Thursday. A couple disclaimers. This is the greatest contest on earth. There's like five different disclaimers that we have to tell you. One, you have to either be in the Victoria area or be willing to go to the show. You can't just get the tickets and then sell them on Facebook Marketplace, okay? You have to be able to go to the show. Two, what's the latest disclaimer, Andy? It's kind of important. We we (laughs) neglected to mention yesterday. Uh, The recording is at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you are a 9 to 5-er, just be aware of that. If you're planning on winning the tickets, you'll have to skip out work early or call in sick. So if you're in the greater Victoria area... On Thursday, January 18th at approximately 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Doing nothing at 2. You would like to see a podcast be taped. Uh, We've got tickets for you. Best what we learned. Hashtag WWL. Put a ticket emoji in. Dunbar Lumber text line. Amazingly, many of our listeners have nothing going on at 2 in the afternoon. I was going to say, it hadn't slowed down the submissions at all. I usually sleep then. Yeah. I'll wake up. Sure. Why not? Um, Okay. So working in reverse on the show. 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor. 7.30, Arthur Staples. 6.30, Greg Wyshynski, and you can also watch my amazing shrinking chair throughout the show. Uh, That is what's happening today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools or resources and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Elias Patterson, two goals and two assists. All-star defenseman Quinn Hughes, an assist and a plus four. He now leads the NHL with a plus 30 rating. The Canucks with a second consecutive thoroughly impressive victory, this time 6-3 over the Blue Shirts, the New York Rangers at MSG 
on Monday night. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were talking after that Devils game. Like, yeah, yeah, the Canucks played really well, really well, except for a few wobbles right at the end. But, I mean, look at the Devils lineup. They're missing a lot of key players. The Rangers, one of the best teams in the NHL. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if they have a list of uh, injured players like the Devils do. They don't. Um, safe to say, Petey is a better player when he plays with really good players. Not that this is rocket science, but Petey has seven points in the two games since the Lotto line was reunited uh, against the Rangers. He had a brilliant individual goal, plus the empty netter to seal the six-three win. Plus, he had a couple of assists. Great night for him, obviously. Besser scored his twenty-fifth of the season. Demko. We I don't want to say we called out yesterday, but we wondered you, if he was struggling. No, no a little there's no bit. we. There's no we. That's a you thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Demko was really good. He made some huge saves, stopping 39 of 42 shots that the Rangers put on net. The Hughes Heronic pairing was plus four. Hoaglander, uh, lest we forget that guy, had a great game too. He scored twice, including one on a beautiful between the legs move. After a nifty pass from Pew Suter. That's a good word for him. And he's, some, he's a nifty player. And some completely clueless defensive awareness from Adam Fox on the play, by the way. He's yep. like, should I look around and see if there's anyone else there? Oh, too late. Suter already found him. <laughs> it was Nils Hoaglander, and now he is scored. And it should be noticed. Noted. Noted. Noticed also that the Canucks did all of that without getting a single power play from the referees. Yeah. The Canucks are now... 26, 11, and 3. <laughs> it's crazy. Four points up on Vegas for first place in the Pacific. It's a quick turnaround for Vancouver because the Canucks play the Islanders tonight. Looking, and I think I read this in an IMAC piece, they have never swept a New Jersey, New York, New York trip. That's correct, Jason. Someone never just texted it. it in as well. They've never Conf- done it. it. IMAX said it, and a random texter said it. That's confirmation. That's modern journalism. But yeah, it is. Look, there's a lot of takeaways from this right now. There's the remarkable play of the team, the opportunity Jersey Metro Star area. But the biggest story right now, and we'll talk to Arthur Staple and Greg Wyshynski to get a sense of how big this is resonating beyond Vancouver. It's the lotto line. Is it not? Is this this is the biggest story over the last two games? Since they got put together, reunited, if you will, it feels so good. They have combined for 16 points in two games. And they have done it against two playoff caliber teams in the Eastern Conference. As a matter of fact, two teams that met in last year's playoffs. Now, yes, this year's Devils team isn't um, firing on as many cylinders as last year, but this Rangers team is a top four team in the NHL. And there were a lot of people last night, especially a lot of your national hosts from Sportsnet, who were working that game because it was the Monday night um, hockey throw. Yeah. Um, they were like, has anyone noticed these Canucks? Bit of a surprising start for these guys. And we're not talking about just like <laughs> beating the Rangers, but they're like, they look like they're toying with the Rangers, the high quality of goals that were being mm-hmm. scored, the way they were being scored, and the frequency they were being scored with. I don't know when, we, when we're all said and done for this season, what's going to happen. Like, I don't know what the future has in store, but it would not surprise me. As a matter of fact, I... I I got a fair bit of faith in this one that we're going to look back on this swing almost re- regardless of what happens against the Islanders tonight. Those two games as a sort of defining moment, but also a moment in the season where things clicked onto another level 
that might change the trajectory of this team because there are not a lot, plain and simple, there are not a lot of lines and there's not a lot of collection and trios in the NHL that you can put together and have that pre-existing chemistry and then produce like they have over the, I know it's only two games, but the production hasn't just been good. It's been otherworldly. Uh, do we have any audio from last night? Do we have anything from Petey? Did, did Petey talk? I, I know I'm putting you guys on the spot here, but like, did he say anything? Because I'm sure the fans would love to hear from Pedersen and all this because he is a conversation topic right now in a big way. Um, do we have Do we have anything from Petey? We don't, no audio from Petey? Just talking about the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, let's yeah. play whatever we can get. Let's play whatever we can get from PD. Yeah, we got three clips from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you, you pick one here, and then we'll talk about what is in line for him because the speculation about his contract is not going away. No, it's just so fun talking about it, uh, <laughs> talking about the line. No, but it's uh, we play good. I think uh, we understand each other in the way, I think, how we want to defend and forecheck, and that sets up good chances offensively for us. And... Uh, I think that's a, a big reason for us why we have the success now. Was that was that sarcasm from Petey right at the beginning? It yes, was just so was. fun talking about the line. Petey, enjoy yourself, buddy. Have some fun. The fans are having fun. Petey now has 19 goals and 33 assists for 52 points in 40 games. He is on pace to exceed the 102 points he put up last season at just 25 years old. 25 years old. He's also younger than, uh, let's just pick a name out of a hat here, William Nylander, Mm. who's 27, and he's actually three years older in terms of the draft. Nylander was 2014. Petey was 2017. And Petey, unlike Nylander most of the time, plays center. Nylander just signed a massive deal, and Petey's going to beat that deal. If he does an eight-year deal, like Nylander just did, his deal will be significantly bigger than Nylander's. Um, I don't know what it looks like on a short-term deal. Maybe the cap hit is a little bit lower on that because, again, Petey is 25. So if he goes into negotiations, he'll say, every year that you're going to get from me is going to be a prime year, even if it's an eight-year deal. I have those UFA years. The ball is very much in his court when it comes to contract talks. As the Canucks have clearly signaled their willingness to start negotiating an extension. And whether Petey likes it or not, people are going to talk about it and speculate on it. And you know what? It's not to be annoying. It's because Canucks fans are excited about this guy. They want him to stay long-term. They want him to be a centerpiece of this team. And until there's a resolution one way or the other, we're going to talk about it. Now, I got to wonder if he's going to go short-term and really cash in after the cap goes up in the next few years. The Austin Matthews approach. Some players like Austin Matthews are willing to bet big on themselves in that way. Others, they, they like the security. They talk about like the total money that they can get in a contract. And Petey, if he's, if he's looking at an eight-year deal, it's over $100 million, right? Yeah. Like what? What would uh, an eight-year? Isn't an eight-year twelve and a half million dollar cap? Isn't that a? Is that a hundred on the nose? I think it is, right? Yes. So that is the minimum on an eight-year extension. Now, what do the Canucks want? <laughs> the Canucks' preference is probably just get them signed one way or the other, and with the elite, and with the least amount of drama possible, does stress out some fans. 
but there's also like the really fun times that we're having watching this team right now. Yep. And maybe that's where the focus should be. I'm sure that's where Petey wants the focus to be on this team and how it's playing. Um, I don't know how talk it can break up this lotto line until something you know, like top, until, top until heavy, it has to yeah. be top heavy is the way to go. They, they worked on, but, defense. It's, but, but, but here's the thing. Like it doesn't even seem super, super top heavy because you are getting things out of the Bluger line. The lotto line Garland is what's turning Joshua. the team into a cup contender, ironically. And <laughs> because the lotto line, yeah. it doesn't matter that they're all together because, as you just said, all the other lines are clicking. You have a legit second line, a right. legit third line, or a 2A, 2B, whatever. Look at the fourth line. The fourth, fourth line's, line's played well, right? Yeah. With, so, I mean, if, if you get Hoaglander down there, you've, you've got a little talent. You've, you've, got, you've, got, uh, you've got talent spread across all four lines. Now, um, People are going to yell at me and say, don't jinx this, but stop being so weak-minded about jinxes. Uh, the Canucks have been remarkably healthy this year, right? Yep. They have been. Look at New Jersey and what they're going through right now. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that remains the same because that's going to be a major factor in how the Canucks finish this season and go into the playoffs. Yeah, I still think they need to go out there and get some more players uh, at the deadline. The question is whether... The question really is... At this point is how big a swing do they take? How much of their future do they mortgage in order to uh, give themselves a shot of a deep playoff run this season? Yeah, and I mean, the, the, I don't, my, again, I think the last 48 hours are going to be uh, very instructive when we look back and say, okay, this is the trajectory that this team went on. Because this is kind of the time of the year where general managers and executives start to really boil down and make big decisions. This is the time of the year where you're, you're honing in on that 41 game mark, which is exactly the midpoint of the regular season. And you've kind of put the flash starts or, you know, is this a flash in the pan? Is it a big enough sample size? It's half a regular season. It's a big enough sample size. And moving forward, you do have to start looking within the framework of what you're talking about. Like, are you going to understand that you're you're on your way to the playoffs and in the playoffs it becomes a real meat grinder and you need depth you maybe need seven or eight or nine NHL caliber defensemen you need extra forwards maybe more size up front yeah like there and this is where you start fine tuning a team that coming into the year we all acknowledged was an imperfect particular uh, vastly underestimated what this team could get out of its depth at forward for sure I thought For that sure. it, we I, all did. It's okay to admit that we we underestimated what this team did. I, my I thought, thought there were players on the Canucks like I didn't think we could do this. Well, no, I thought that they could be a good group, but I did not think that there was enough. Like the reason that I didn't think the lotto line would play together very much this year is because I didn't think they had the collective depth behind those guys. Well, we to didn't be able really to pull know this off. We didn't really know much about Bluger, and we didn't really know much about Pew Suter. Those those two pieces have essentially allowed that lotto line to be reunited because Bluger has played so well with Garland and Joshua. I didn't know Suter was a 2C. Like, Suter could be a 2C? Really? This guy? Well, Well, is he right now? Who's the 2C right now? Is it Bluger or Suter? Well, I know. Who knows, right? Fair. What I'm I'm saying is both those guys playing at that level is just ridiculous. Like, nobody would have predicted that. Well, and the other thing, too. Suter's been all over the roster. This versatility is what I like the most. Totally. Here's here like for example, the Canucks right now lead the entire National Hockey League in goals with 155. Second is the Colorado Avalanche. So just stop right there. Like that is 
that is a remarkable thing that the Vancouver Canucks are outscoring an absolute, you know, fire hose of an offensive talented team in Colorado. And I think one of the things that I grossly overlooked in the offseason when looking at this group was thinking that the offense was going to come exclusively from the forwards and not realizing how dynamic Hughes and Hronick were going to be together. Now, no one was going to expect this pairing to become the most elite in the NHL. Hughes and Hronick is the best pairing, defensive pairing in the NHL, bar none. I don't think it's particularly close. So there are still, well, okay. What? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have the list in front of me right now. Well, it, the thing is, is there's not, there's not many teams that roll out the top two defensemen on the same pair with regularity. Like last night, uh, it was I think it's Fox plays with Lingard and then Truba plays right. with mm-hmm. Keandre Miller. The best one maybe outside of this is Devon Taves and Kale McCarr mm-hmm. in, in Colorado, which hey is very good. I right now though I would say that Hughes is the best defenseman in the NHL. I think he's on track to win the Norris. And you look at the numbers that Hronick has put up. Like you're saying that we're off the top. Hughes was plus four last night. So was Hronick. Like combined, yeah, they're plus eight in the game. I didn't think that was possible. The number felt too high. But. So there's still some people that will text in and say they're going to regress. Their shooting percentage is going to regress. Let's say their shooting re- percentage regresses. I'm saying that okay. all year. Okay, hold on. Let's say their shooting re- possession uh, percentages do regress a little bit. Sure. Are they all of a sudden the worst team in the league? They've been scoring a lot of goals. It's it's not like their shooting percentage is super high and they barely ever get any shots, right? And like, let's say it regresses a little bit. So, and then the, the boys were talking about this on the post game show, and I wish people would just keep talking about it because it seems to be there's this narrative out there that if it does regress to the mean, then all of a sudden the Canucks are a terrible team. Well, I'm They're glad not. I'm glad you brought not. another wrinkle to this in the, in the same vein like the conversation. I'm glad you brought this up earlier. They scored six times on the New York Rangers last night without the benefit of a single power play. And if you go back over the last few games, uh, one of the major narratives from earlier in the season was this team was cooking mm-hmm. with the man advantage. Right? They would they get on the power play, they'd light them up. Remember they did it to the uh, Oilers in the first game of the season and kind of carried on from there. Well, the power plays have dried up. They haven't been relying on special team scoring, as a matter of fact. And it's been really impressive to see the way that they're doing it because the quality of goals is really high. Like this last night was almost the inverse of the Ottawa game where yeah. things were bouncing in off guys' butts and you know, pucks were going in the air and landing. Mm-hmm. And they got every bounce imaginable. Last night, everything that they did was built off quality passing, high-end offensive skill individually, except for the empty netter. And, 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 and if we're being honest, a few Rangers mistakes. Sure, but you I mean the Rangers didn't play well. But and hey, Peter I, I left after the game, whereas was like, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, he he kind of said, listen, I didn't feel like we were constantly under pressure, but when we were, we made big mistakes. And 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 look, I brought up when Hoaglander uh, scored that between the legs goal. Go watch the replay. There's two Rangers staring. At Pew Suter and Hoaglander's like, I'm just going to sneak in behind you here. And Suter made a really nice pass, and yeah. Adam Fox was out to lunch there. Uh, Laddie? Well, I just want to know the stat. You mentioned the no power play goals. How many times in Shostyorka's career he's given up three even-strength goals in a period? Yeah. That's impressive. Well, here's the thing. Last night was kind of what the Rangers are. If you look at their season, like they, they play great. They're a top-five team in the NHL on points. They've also allowed... 
five plus goals like nine times already this season. They did it six times in 82 games last year. So they have this penchant for being able or sorry, getting exposed. Uh, and it's just sort of cascades on them. Like, you know, so I bring that up. The pinball. Pinballs all over the place. I bring it up because this is who the Rangers are. Like, it's not like last night was an off night for them. They've done this enough times that you're saying, so this is a high-end team in the Eastern Eastern Conference that has this sort of either Achilles heel or flaw, and Vancouver is one of the teams that was able to expose it. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Seven oh one on a Tuesday. It's a big band Tuesday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer, meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime Craft Beer is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. I keep on thinking you're gonna trip up on meticulously. I'm a good. He's card very meticulous reader, with he, the meticulous. He, did, he goes. He goes into those reads very carefully. Sometimes meticulous. meticulously brewed. What is it? It's the how do you, What's the pronunciation guide to give you in broadcasting school? The teeth, I don't know. I tongue, failed that part. The teeth, the tongue, the lips. You have to meticulously. The teeth, the tongue. The li- I never went to broadcasting school. Can you tell? Uh, yes. I have no idea what it, I'm doing. It's link ladder. Link ladder. Link ladder. Yeah. Link ladder. Get a load of this. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Kintech. That's his radio voice. Right? Right. Kintech. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. How's the weather? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, seven o'clock hour. It is underway. We got Arthur Staple coming up at 7 30. We will preview the Canucks and Islanders tonight from. Arena, not USB. That's a port. Uh, 4.30 our time. We'll talk to Arthur about uh, oh, an Islanders team that's actually kind of surprisingly good. Yeah. They're in a pretty decent spot for the playoffs right now. The third in the Metro after a very erratic start to the season. Uh, the East stinks. The East stinks. The East stinks. The East say. stinks. Look, look, who's, stinks who's, who's a team, relatively speaking, who's a team that really worries you? In the East. Do you think Florida might have the best chance right now? I still don't know about Boston. Like, if you look at their center depth, without Bergeron and Krejci, just, you know, you get into a playoff series, you know, prove me wrong, Bruins. Maybe they'll do the opposite. Last season, everyone thought they were going to just roll after the, the regular season that they had. And I know they're having a good regular season this season, but, like, I just, the one C matters. Right? Sure. The, you know, what team, who is their 1C right now? Do you have their lineup up? Like, I, I, I don't even know who it is, but I I don't believe in that team. The Morgan Geeky. Morgan Geeky is their 1C. Charlie Coyle. Right? Matthew Potras. Yeah. Who was, in yes. the, who was at the juniors, he was. right? He so didn't do anything there. Jesper Boquist is their So person. are those, those four centers? I mean, if they do, they're going to make history in terms of the quality of centers 
that go on to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, Florida, I think, has a chance. The Leafs, I don't know, man. I don't think the Leafs are particularly good right now. Look how many regulation wins what they have. What about the New York Rangers? Last yeah. night's defeat to the New York Rangers. I mean, I was looking forward to watching the Rangers because, you know, I'd heard so much about them. Certainly wasn't very impressed with them defensively. I thought they looked sleepy. Mm-hmm. They're half of their, you know, the Canucks, the Canucks toyed with them at times. I guess the only other one they haven't mentioned is Carolina. Yeah, but Carolina's always good during the regular season. The question is whether or not they've got, like, that big dog that can lead them to the promised land. You I know? mean, I would agree with you that the higher caliber of team is in the West. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I mean, cause here's the thing. If you want to put this, the East has more competitive balance because they don't have the three worst teams in the NHL. The three worst teams in the NHL are Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose. They all reside in the Western Conference. The West has more top-end teams, I would say. Now you have to put Winnipeg in that conversation. The top three teams in terms of goal differential are all in the West. Yes. Canucks, Jets, and Kings. And that um, doesn't even include Colorado and Dallas and Vegas. Like the, I, 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 I just think, relatively speaking, that the West has the stronger teams. And it's why, when we're talking about a guy like Jake Gensel out of Pittsburgh, I don't see them trading Jake Gensel because I don't see the Penguins falling out of the playoff race far enough ahead of the deadline for the Penguins to make that decision. They're all in with this team. Okay, well, they brought back, they brought in Eric Carlson. They kept Latang. They kept Malkin. Sid is still there, and he's playing unbelievable. They're going to trade Jake Gensel well, as they, a rental? They, they, come on. Well, they might not be able to afford to keep him, right? They, yeah, so they're going to keep him for a potential playoff run. Oh, he if could the, be their pe- own rental. If the peng- no, he's just part of their team. If the Penguins uh, are even close to a playoff spot of the deadline, I'd be shocked if they trade Gensel. What kind of message would that send? to Sid from Kyle Dubas. I think that would be insane. I think if the Penguins were able to get in as a wildcard team, I I wouldn't even consider them a huge underdog to go on a deep run. Okay, so as an instructive exercise and also to bring Greg Wyshynski back into the fold because he's angered up the blood of Canucks fans. Uh, he uh, One thing I wanted to ask him about, but we ran out of time, he, they do the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs hope tiers, T-I-E. ERS, right? So who's legit? Who's the second tier? Who's the third tier? So right now in tier one, true Stanley Cup contenders, Wish and the ESPN crew have identified five true Stanley Cup contenders. Boston, mm-hmm. Colorado, yep. Dallas, mm-hmm. Florida, and the New York Rangers. Oh, sorry, six. The Vegas Golden Knights are in there as well. That's it. After that, it's it's another tier of good playoff caliber teams that aren't Stanley Cup contenders. So there's something to consider. At the very least, is a talking point, but the other talking point... So much of it will depend on health, too, right? Like, if New Jersey gets healthy, then I think they're a legit cup contender. But the other reason that I'm bringing this up is uh, something that Wish mentioned right off the top of his hit in the Hour 1 of this show. By the way, you can download the Hour 1 podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Canadian Tire, wherever you get your podcasts. Hour 1 will be up momentarily. Um, Wish went on a tangent, and then you and him had a back and forth about it, talking about... Where the current mind state of the collective Vancouver Canuck fan is right now. Because Wish seems to think that based on a Thomas Drance tweet, we are all fat and sassy and high and mighty and cocky about the team's collective outlook. Yeah, I think he got that one wrong. And Uh, I think he was taking a Thomas Drance tweet 
that was a little bit disparaging of Adam Fox, who is a heck of a defenseman, but I think had a pretty rough game yesterday. Um, maybe he's extrapolating a little too much out of that, especially considering his drance too. Here's a text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I do understand where Wish is coming from, but I really do not detect a pervasive arrogance about the Canucks by this fan base. If anything, the most common feeling is cautious enjoyment. The most common feeling is still complete shock and surprise that the Canucks are playing this well and having these results. Yeah, It still is. We're halfway through the season now. I think it's game 41 tonight for the Vancouver Canucks, That's right. and I am still shocked that they're doing this. I thought they might be a little bit improved this season. I did not think they'd have all the accolades that they do right now, you know, first in the division, um, maybe a Norris Trophy winner, maybe a, a coach of the year, uh, Brock Besser scoring, uh, you know, 20, he's on pace for 50 goals right now, Petey and Miller on pace for over 100 points. Like, Your depth I, you know, players like, carrying it? Yeah, like that third line, I didn't see that coming well, at I all. Well, like, I like because, you know, enjoyment, though. You know, in, like the, in, in, in the preseason, uh, in the preseason, I don't think we were talking about, like, what if they put Bluger, Garland, and Dakota Joshua together? Yeah. Do you think that could be a line? Like, right. like, that stuff never happens in the preseason. You don't talk about putting your third lines together. You're like, well, I wonder if Bluger can be a 3C, and then they sign Suter, and they're like, oh, I like that. Suter can be the 3C, and Bluger can be the 4C. And then you see that Bluger has this incredible chemistry with Garland and Joshua, and those guys are just playing really well together. And now the goals are starting to go in for them. And you see the versatility of Suter that allows Rick Taka to reconstruct the lotto line when before the season you'd be like, he, he can't reconstruct the lotto line. That'd be crazy. You can't. Who's going to be your 2C then? Yeah. Right? All of this stuff is... I, I, I'm I'm still completely shocked. I'm enjoying it. Um, and I think if they can stay healthy, there is some staying power to this. But I also think there's part of me that's like a lot has gone right for the Canucks. Well, yeah. ca- that's why cautious enjoyment is a, like, that's a good way sure. to sum it up of maybe the average Canucks fan that's that really exactly- follows the team. Because you are having a lot of fun right now. But in the back of your mind, you're like, something goes wrong. Like, we're just waiting for some- something to happen here. But that is exactly what Rick Tockett is preaching to his team. Mm-hmm. Because he said that is almost to to a T what Adog said. He's like, enjoy it. You should enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, you should enjoy the wins. You should enjoy going into an arena like Madison Square Garden. Which, by the way, like, what an awesome atmosphere. It, even when you're watching on TV, you, you, you know it's the my it's my favorite NHL arena that I've been to. That's the it only is, away NHL arena I've ever been to. It's such a it awesome. It's such a great atmosphere. And when the Rangers looked like they were gonna make a game of it. They did make a game of it. That place came alive. When it was 3-2 to two for the Canucks, that place came alive. And and I think, so what Rick Tockett is saying, like, enjoy that. You went into Madison Square Garden, you played, some, you played a good game, you scored some great goals, and you beat a really good team in the New York Rangers. But at the same time, it's back to the cliches. We don't let our highs get too high, and we don't let our lows get too low. And I think the problem with the Canucks over the last few years is they've let their lows get way too low. Sure. And one of the most impressive things about this Canucks team, and we've said it a few times, is it seems like after every loss, they respond with a good performance and a good result. They've only lost two in a row twice. Yeah. 
all season. They haven't had they haven't had a losing streak. Yeah, and that might be the biggest indicator of potential future success because I know that NHL coaches have oftentimes in the back half of the season chopped up the schedule into five game segments or seven game segments yeah. to try and replicate what the playoffs are going to look like. And the entire goal is of these seven games, can we make sure that we win four of the three and not go on an extending losing streak? I remember Daryl Sutter did it um, when the Calgary Flames went on their Stanley Cup run in 03 04. Mm-hmm. Is he did it the last 28 games of the regular season? He broke it up into four seven game sets. So the ability to not have multi game losing streaks is super important. And I think it's very reflective of this team's uh, abilities, the high end that they have talent wise. And I think a growth within the leadership group about what they need to do to win games. Like, that's great. As for the fan, I just want to circle back on what Wish was talking about and what a lot of people into the Dunbar Lumber text line are talking about with regards to the collective feeling of the fan base. For the first time in a long time, I don't really have a firm grasp on where the collective fan base is at. And I'm okay admitting that. I mean, I do this for a living. I'm in here every day. I read social media. I monitor the Dunbar Lumber text line. I have yet to see a common theme, trend, attitude, or approach from listeners and fans and everybody else. I think maybe some of that has to do with what you were alluding to earlier, which is still kind of shocked and surprised by how the season is gone. Yeah. And that's fair. Whenever you're shocked or surprised or stunned by something. It doesn't seem logical that there can be this big an improvement in the team based on a coaching change and a few additional depth pieces. That's fair. Right? These are all the same guys that were around. Like the core is still the same. Right, except for Bo Horvath. But touching on what he well, said yeah, earlier, there's a key thing I think a lot of yeah. people don't talk enough about and that they're not as mentally fragile as they were before. The team. Like they, the team. Like they have a collective belief that they could win now, whereas last year you would see them fall apart over and over again, you know, the, the two goal leads, whatever. Yeah. The same group of players, for whatever reason, well, over the course of this offseason, developed this. Well, I think a lot of that leadership is. I don't know what it is exactly, but they have a belief now that they can win every game. I think it starts from the top, from the organization on down. You've got alignment between the management and the coach, which you certainly didn't have when Bruce Boudreaux was here. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Rick Tockett and his coaching staff, not just him, but also. Guys like Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar. They have a belief in the system. Working with the leadership yeah. group to, you know, we, when we heard that phrase over the offseason, we were like, Taka was like, I got to empower the leadership group. And I was like, I wonder what that means. Mm-hmm. And I think what he essentially meant was like, I need to teach these guys how to lead the team. And maybe you give them a nudge here and there and go like, you know, when I was in Philadelphia or when I was in the league, our captain might have done this at this point, Quinn. Mm-hmm. You know, something along those There's lines. This guy called Mario Lemieux. Let me tell you about him. <laughs> there is, yeah, but there is a certain sense of like improbability about this entire thing. Oh, no, yeah, totally. for sure. There is a craziness to it. For example, if you had told me that this year that the last year's co leading goal scorer, Andre Kuzmenko, who tied with Pedersen for the team leading goals with 39, would regress as much as he has and provided as little as he has offensively, that this team would be the leading goal scoring team in the NHL. I would have said that's a, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. There's no way that a 39 goal scorer can fall off a cliff and yet the team's offensive production will spike through the roof as a result. But that's exactly what's happened. 
Uh, I'm going to read a bunch of texts in the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, This one just came in. This is the most complete Canucks team I've ever seen. Balanced scoring. This is the year to go for it. Whatever we can add. Uh, whatever we can to add pieces to make a run. I don't think of this. I don't. I don't know if this is the most complete Canucks team I've ever seen. That conversation that, was happening on the post game show last. That night, 2011 but. team. Um, go look at their team stats. They were first in almost everything. They had the best goals for. They had the best goals against. They had the best power play. They had the best penalty kill. And the Canucks penalty kill still is problematic. I think the Canucks defense in 2011 was deeper. They didn't have a Quinn Hughes, so that balances things off a little bit in favor of this current team. Um, but you know, I would take, I would probably take that defense from 2011 in terms of its depth over this current one, because I still don't know what what the Canucks have from their second and third pair. I know they have a really good first pair. This but I'm the, still not sure that. But this know, is this is, is the is, best is, team is, that they've had by far in the last ten years. Like what? Who is their second pair right now? Is it Susie and um, Susie and Cole, or is it Myers and Zadorov? Like what is their second pair? We knew what the pairs were in 2011. It was Edler Erhoff and Ham Houston Bieksa, and then Salo when he was healthy, he would play on the third pair, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't have the high end, but I think they had a little more reliable. Depth. Maybe I'm underrating what, what they've got right now. Um, I want to read a few more texts in, uh, and this is about the trade deadline, and I love that people are texting this in because it's one of those good dilemmas. The only thing, unsigned text, the only thing I worry about the trade deadline is if they bring in a big-name player, will it disrupt the chemistry this team has right now? I'll just go out on, you know what? I'll, what if they bring in a Jake Gensel? Where does he go? Right? Where well, does he play? I would imagine, yeah, that's a good question. If the lotto line is still together, which it may not be. I mean, if the lotto line's not together, then it's then it's obvious. It just goes on one of the top oh, two look, lines, if, maybe if, with Petey. If you're talking about uh, everything either building up or loading up towards the playoffs, the, the line combinations, hypothetically speaking, if you bring a guy like that in, the line combinations aren't going to really matter because what's talk has shown is that They've got versatility. He had, I mean, put it this way. If you want to look at it, house of optimism and house of positivity, he had the luxury of waiting until the midway point of the season to put the lotto line together because his hand was not forced at any time over the first 40 games of the season Mm -hmm. to the point where it was like, we got to put these guys together. Our offense is cratered or we're really struggling or we've gone on a multi-game losing streak. He's like, we had kind of a so-so game against St. Louis. He's like, let's give this a try. Oh, my God, this is amazing. The only thing that he's really done lineup-wise of note is keep healthy scratching Kuzmenko, and that's more about Kuzmenko, not about shaking up the group or whatever. I mean, this that that's an amazing thing, that he was able to unleash the lotto line and reunite it at the midway point of the season and they responded by putting up 18 collective points in two straight games. Like, that's a great sign for the. So, uh, to go back, adding pieces here, I don't necessarily think you need to worry about chemistry being upset or a balance of the room being thrown off. The other reason I say this is I, I know big game hunting is fun to talk about and it's exhilarating and it makes I'm kind of getting excited about this trade. Doesn't I don't have. think it's out there. I don't. I don't think the type of big game hunting that everyone uh, is either anticipating or wants to happen is feasible given the current market, the current salary, cap, and everything else. Right. 
It's just not there. In order to make a massive deal, there are definitely some pretty mo- significant money that would need to be moved out. Myers could be moved out, and I guess Kuzmenko could be moved out too, right? Right. I, I don't think they're going to move. I think I think moving Myers would be tough because just because of the dynamic that's currently existing. Don't get me wrong. What dynamic is that? That they're winning a ton of hockey games oh, right, and he's okay. a contributing member of the blue line. I see. I think the. I think Kuzmenko is more interesting mm-hmm. because you could make the argument that he's expendable. You could also make the argument that Taka wouldn't want to play him in the playoffs anyway. Well, see, there's another part of it. Even are on you, a sheltered third line. Are you going to park him in the in the press box in the playoffs? I could see Taka doing it. Yeah. I don't think he's got a ton of faith in his you know, ability. He's been healthy scratch five times in the regular season. Yeah. So there's that. Aside from the Kuzmenko thing, um, I'm not sure that – I mean – Go look at the available guys on the market, right? We talk about Gensel, but you bring up a good point every time in in a rebuttal. Are the Penguins really going to part with the guy, given their current landscape? I would say no. I would say unless they go on a massive losing streak and they're way out of the playoffs by the time the deadline arrives. and that's. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. I, I don't think it's going to happen. They're a good team. All, the Penguins that, are a good team. I always joke about Steve Stamkos. But, I mean, that's a pipe dream, and it's not probably not going to happen. I think Stamkos is more likely than Gensel because right. I think the Lightning are going to miss the playoffs. They, something's off about them, and I think that would be a team that might look at moving Stamkos because they feel like they need to reload a little bit. Right, and it could happen. Maybe not here. Maybe he gets moved, period. But as we've seen, these deals are extremely difficult to make. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why the trade deadline has been so underwhelming for the last few seasons. It's been all these spare parts, last yeah. minute additions, just sort of, you know, C and D grade acquisitions because the big game hunting that we knew from 20, 25, 30 years ago, it's too hard to do under the current salary cap structure, especially for teams that are pushed up against the ceiling. I mean, there will be pieces added. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. This is a they will do something. Yeah, this is a sure. Jim Rutherford, Patrick yeah. Alvin team, but Jim Rutherford in particular, and according to Money Puck, as of this morning, a ninety nine point one percent likelihood to make the playoffs. The Vancouver Canucks, right? The, the, I the wish Win- it was a hundred. The Winnipeg Jets are ninety nine point two, and the Canucks are ninety nine point. So it'll be more like twenty eleven with like the little things added here and there that make up the big difference. See, that's a t- you can't. We should stop putting everything in the context of 2011 to start because everything is so fundamentally different, including the way that they were able to manipulate. But those kind of moves put the team over the... And yes, obviously, cap situation, totally different. Economics of it all. I get that. But But it all happened... Maybe those are the kinds of moves that he would target. But it all happened because they monkeyed with LTIR. Mm -hmm. And they were able to stash, essentially stash until... Well, they also had Luongo on that long-term contract that brought his cap head down. Right. Those it, those um, mechanics and I get the economics are totally different. But I'm just saying, like maybe those are the kinds of trades that, as opposed to these, the big game hunting, as you're saying. Yeah, you're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.